0: Welcome to our weekly catechism class. This lesson is a weekly look at the Heidelberg Catechism to help us to learn Christian doctrine with a warm and a practical application. Every lesson has an accompanying study guide. The web link to find that guide is in the episode notes. Now let's start the class. Learn the lessons. Welcome to our Catechism class. In this lesson, we're looking at Lord's Day 3, Question 6 in the Heidelberg Catechism. In our last class on Lord's Day 2, we learned that we are miserable, wretched sinners, condemned under the law of God which we have. Willfully broken. That divine law reveals to us just how far short of God's righteous standards we have fallen when we measure up our own life against the law. But in Lord's Day 3 the Catechist teaches us that mankind wasn't made sinful. In fact we were created in the image of God. So in this lesson we're going to ask the question what do we mean when we say that we are created and God's image. Question 6, the Catechist asks, Did God then create man so wicked and perverse? The answer we must give is no. On the contrary, God created man good and in his image. So we're going to talk about the image of God and we're going to look first of all at our unique dignity as human beings. In what way did God make us different from the rest of creation? You'll have heard modern ecological thinkers saying that mankind is a blight on the planet, that we are a plague, that we have overrun the planet for there's far too many of us, that we are stripping the planet of its resources, destroying the ecosystems that keep nature in balance. That's a result of Darwinian evolutionary theories. They see mankind as being just another species of animal. A more highly evolved ape who has wrestled himself to the top of the food chain and is devouring everything below him. That's a truly satanic viewpoint. It's far removed from the biblical ideas of the intrinsic value of mankind. We're going to read from the scriptures from Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. yielding seed to you it shall be for meat and to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life I have given every green herb for meat and it was so and God saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good and the evening and the morning were the sixth day Now you can see from that that we're set above the rest of creation. Let's explore some of the reasons why being made in the image of God makes us different and unique among creation and privileged beings. We are created in God's image. That's a special image. Can you imagine how pleased I was when someone said that Jude is the spitting image of his granda? And then can you imagine how disappointed I was when I found out that they really meant his other granda? How can we say that we're created in God's image? Let's be careful here that we don't reverse the order and start to think about God in our image. God is a spirit. God is not like us. Isaiah 46 and verse 5 says, To whom can you compare and liken me? Tell me whom you think I resemble so that we can be compared. So, when we say we are made in God's image, we're not saying that God is like us, that he looks like us or dresses like us, but rather we're saying that we are like him, that there are certain of his attributes and characteristics that he has bestowed upon us also. The Catechist actually singles out two of those attributes for special mention. He says, God created man good and in his image, that is, in true righteousness and holiness. Let's think about that for a moment. We were created to reflect God's righteousness. In our created pre fall state in the Garden of Eden, mankind had a right standing before God. We were by creation just. In the sight of God. And holiness too, we were created spotless and sinless. Genesis 2 and 25 reminds us of our initial innocence when we read, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. I always worry about those cute little baby photos of babies in the bath and babies with just a wee hat on. The baby of course is innocently unaware of his or her nakedness. There's no embarrassment there. There's no shame. But just a short time later, though, such photographs would be totally unacceptable. They would be shameful. Adam and Eve were innocent. They were righteous and they were holy. They could look upon their nakedness without sinful thoughts. And because they were righteous and holy, they could approach the Lord God in the garden and they could enter his holy presence. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 24, Paul writes, And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So we have this special image. We are made in the image of God. But it's also a specific image. Because we are created to be personal, relational beings We're capable of having a relationship with other people and with our maker. In fact, that's exactly why he made us, as we'll see just in a moment or two. We're also rational beings. We have an intelligence and we have a will. We have a godlike capacity for knowledge and thought and action. Again, Paul in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10 talks about having put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So we're personal beings and rational beings, and we're creative beings. Mankind is extraordinarily creative. That's what marks us out from the rest of creation. In this sense, we are displaying one of the attributes of our own creator. And we're authoritative beings. He made us to rule and to subdue the earth and to rule over it and to populate it. So we a very specific image indeed. Personal beings, relational beings, creative beings, authoritative beings. A specific image. A shared image. For there's no distinction by skin. Have you noticed that there is no distinction in either the Catechism or in the book of Genesis as regards race or colour or ethnicity? Christians can never ever be racists. We all share the same common first parentage. We are all fallen, sinful human beings who were all in Adam, the first man. And the black-skinned man, the Asian man, the Far Eastern man, the Aborigine man, the white man, they are all our brothers and sisters. We all have equal dignity. There is no distinction whatsoever by skin. And there's no distinction by age either. It extends to all ages, old people, middle-aged people, young people, all are equally valuable, all are created in God's image, even the unborn. The fact that we are made in the image of God, does that not mean that when we deliberately deprive a baby of life, we are attacking the uniqueness and the dignity of God's creation itself, and also a sexual image? In the United States of America, there has been a whole row for a number of years now. Uh, a great disagreement about who should use the women's toilets and who should use the men's toilets and whether we should have toilets for men or women at all. And it's happening here in the United Kingdom now as well. To most of us, it seems simple. Men use the gents, women use the ladies. But bit more complicated in modern society, apparently. What if today I, as a biological man, feel that I am a woman? Then, says liberal society, I should use the ladies' loo. You can imagine the dangers, can't you? But when God made us, he made us as either men or women, one or the other. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27 says that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. And our Saviour, the Lord Jesus, reaffirmed that biblical view of mankind in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 3 to 5. We read there, The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read, that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. This modern idea that gender is a social construct has no place whatsoever in God's economy. You're not free to choose what sex you are. No matter how much a man may feel like a woman or a woman may feel like a man. To say that you can choose your own gender identity is simply to deny physical reality, to deny biology and to fly in the very face of God's created order. And it is a heinous sin. So we are a people with a special image, the image of God. A very specific image, as we're made as personal, rational, creative, authoritative beings. A shared image, regardless of our ethnicity or colour or our age group. A sexual image, made as male or female. And yet, as we shall find out in our next lesson, a shattered image. Of course we still retain that image structurally we're still human beings like Adam but but not functionally for we're now slaves to sin we still have the image of God stamped upon us but because of sin is it is distorted and warped and disfigured beyond recognition but we look at that more fully again so God made mankind unique he made him with an intrinsic value so that every human life is precious, including those who have not yet been born. The psalmist celebrates this in Psalm 8, in verse 3 to 8. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and has crowned him with glory and honour. Thy madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. We were created in the image of God. we've been looking at the image of God, our unique dignity. But what about the ideal of God, our unique destiny? Why did God create us? Why did he create us as he did? Why did he not just stop when he had created the world and the animals and the birds and the flowers and the trees After all, as we've already said, if the ego warriors are to be believed, humans are such a scourge that the world would be really quite better off without them. So why are we here? Well, let's be very clear about one thing. God didn't need to create us. Haven't you heard some well-meaning person saying something like, well, God created us because he was lonely and he needed companions. Or perhaps God wanted friendship so he created Adam and Eve so that he could walk and talk with them in the Garden of Eden. Nothing could be further than the truth. Do you know, I couldn't put this any better than to quote Dr. Stephen Lawson in the book Foundations of Grace. He says there, God created us, and I quote, certainly not because he needed someone to love. Throughout all eternity past, God enjoyed perfect love and Intimate communion within his own being. The three persons of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, enjoyed perfect relationships and completely fulfilled one another. Thus, God was not inwardly lonely or personally empty. He was entirely self satisfied, self content, and self contained. So, God did not create because of some limitation. Within himself. Instead, God created us to know Him, to love Him, and to enjoy Him. Our Catechist puts this very succinctly indeed. He says that it's so that we might rightly know God, His Creator, heartily love Him, and live with Him in eternal blessedness, to praise and glorify him. Quite simply, we were created in God's image to reflect God's glory and to express God's greatness. The shorter catechism begins with this point, when it asks in question one, what is the chief end of man? And answers, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him for ever. In First Corinthians chapter ten and verse thirty one, Paul reminds us whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do do all to the glory of God and in Romans 11 and 36 he says for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory for ever. amen. God created us So that we might bring glory to him, that we might know him and love him and live with him in eternal blessedness to praise and glorify him forever and ever. So the scriptures teach us that we are created in the image of God with a unique purpose. In our next class we'll move on to questions 7 and 8 and remind ourselves of what happened next.